trending insurrection. Here we go. 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 Isn't it annoying to hear the same thing over and over again? I'm trying to get Dave's attention. We're starting the show and he is not here. He is in an important meeting, but I don't care because I'm selfish. And I'm saying, hey, my good friend Dave, come on. Let's get the show going. Let's get this thing on the road. We've got some great topics to talk about, and I cannot wait to get with it. And I wait. I think he's coming this way. He is opening the control room door. Hey, Dave. Welcome. I was just talking about you. Hey, Lou. I was just talking about you. <laughs> okay. Well, so, for, so first of all, uh-huh. we were saying, uh, just in one of our early conversations, uh-huh. that, that Dave was saying he's going to make me a rich black guy, right? Uh-huh. And I said, okay. And I was saying that, you know, most of the elite those in politics do not really care much about poor people because they probably don't know any poor people. <laughs> right, and even right, right. if they were well-to-do, once you become well-to-do, for the most part, your poor friends no longer appreciate you. You can't <laughs> hang out with them any longer. They'll, they'll either ask for money a lot, <laughs> just like your rich friends do, and not only that, and, or they'll, be, they'll regret, they'll be angry with you because you're successful, or they'll rob you blind. blind. Poor, I'm thinking of one rich black person who had problems, Queen Latifah. Mm. She, she decided to stay in the neighborhood. They robbed that child blind. <laughs> they robbed a blind man. She had to find... Listen, you need to live in a gated community when you got money, man. <laughs> I'll tell you, we don't have to live in a gated community, but I will tell you this. Um, income inequality uh, within a community is actually directly related to the crime. So, in other words, if you're making millions a year and you live next to somebody who's making uh, tens of thousands a year, you're gonna have problems. You're gonna have issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, so, what I was saying was that I'm going to run for office at some point, and uh, I was taking the cynical view that right now all my friends are poor, right, including, yeah, uh, you know, present company. Yeah. And I was saying that what will happen is as we get famous and we get rich um that you will also get rich you'll get rich with me and then i'll run for office and they'll be like oh that guy doesn't know any real black people because all his black friends are rich you know and i'll say that will possibly <laughs> be the case because usually you can't take your friends with you 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 want to but when you can sit listen i, th- I think a co- the, a, there's a comedian and he said money changes you when, when you have giraffe money, where you can say, hey, Dave, listen, I'm getting a giraffe. And Dave says, yeah, that's a good idea, man. You got enough space. And, and when you have giraffe money, it changes the way you think about the world. <laughs> you just can't hang around with regular folk because you got giraffe money. When you have a black credit card the, or, the, or the, the Onyx credit card, when, <laughs> it changes the way you think about the way you think about regular things. So anyway, my Harry. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I was. Sa- that's at least what I was saying. So yeah, you have to. I think you have to change your friends, and there might be some you can hang out with, but most will resent you terribly. You know, I I call me naive, but I think that my friends wouldn't resent me terribly. Not Good. not. I mean, I know a lot of people who would, but my real friends. Yeah, that's true. The people that I really count as friends. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Going from my brother and the people that are really close to me. That's family, though. Family's different. Well, well my they can uh, be bad too, though. Brother, you know, br- my brother's family, but everybody else. He's the only one who's a familial friend. Yeah. But um, I've got friends that uh, I hang out with, um, and uh, they, by and large understand this concept of not coveting what your neighbor has that's right? right that's part of that that's what the bible says yeah so you shouldn't get mad at somebody don't don't hate congratulate right i mean the idea that if you work hard you can achieve and you can make some money that's that is a good thing that's if part of the American dream it, then i can do it 
I think we're gonna end up hitting our topics out of order because I'm about to talk about AOC and her. I believe her preaching. I can fly. Can you believe that <laughs> the same guy who did "I Believe I Can Fly" was uh-huh. also being convicted, but was being talked about for peeing on somebody in the video? <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's the same guy. You know, I heard that same comedian you were just talking about earlier say, "You know what? Life is tough." If you can't make a decision like that at 15, see that girl in the video, she stayed there. She didn't move. Like if somebody tries to pee on me, I'm just going to move out of the way. Like whoop, missed me. But she stayed there. Like, so if you can't make that kind of decision at 15. Friends, I have to say something to you. Now I'm going to say this and I don't mean anything by it. But Uh (laughs) I'm sorry. It just came to my mind. Suppose it was Taylor Swift. Oh, <laughs> Taylor Swift would have gotten out of the way, man. <laughs> no, no, the Taylor Swift peeing on you. Oh, uh, I'm not. I'm not into that. Oh, wow, that was. Gee, that was terrible. Exactly. I, I wow. Yeah, I know. It just it popped in my mind because I know you love Taylor Swift. Uh, yeah, but that's not the. That's not the. That's I not the, that statement. <laughs> okay. That question. And that I, is I'm nothing sorry. I'm looking for. That I'm just. Nothing. <laughs> pee on me. Mm, no, no, that's not your game. Well, that's good to know. No, no, no. I'm, I'm more of a spanker. Uh, oh, oh, wow! <laughs> Too much information. Too much information. Too uh, much information. Please. No, we are opening dating line. The dating line <clears throat> is open. We're accepting calls. Five, five, five. Wow, this is the most disorganized show start I think we've ever no, had. No, this is really good because it's a great it's a great thing because you know your name Seth McFarlane reminds me of a great of of another guy name uh, 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 of another guy because your name is Dave McFarlane uh-huh. and uh, you know uh, McFarlane, right? Is, right. Are you guys related? Your name Seth McFarlane. Dave McFarlane, I'm, uh, are you guys cousins or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't tell people this very often, but uh, he and I are cousins. Okay, so what's your cousin doing? Distant, man? distant cousins, not like, not like first cousins. And as a matter of fact, I don't even spell my name the same way anymore because my, when my great grandfather came to the United States from Ireland, or actually from Scotland. Uh, my great great grandfather fled Ireland to Scotland for religious freedom. Right. Go on, go on. The Catholic Church wouldn't let him get married, so if he didn't do that, I wouldn't be here. So he did that. He went to Scotland. He married uh, the woman he loved, and then they had a a son, and that was David John MacFarlane the first. But he spelled his name uh, the same way that Seth does back when he was in Scotland. Mm. It wasn't until they got to Paris Island or Ellis Island. Um, that they changed the spelling because he had come from Scotland, so they changed it to the Scottish spelling. You know what? You guys actually might be distantly related. Yeah, that's the that's the rub. Yeah, yeah. What's your cousin doing, man? Uh, what you doing, man? It, come on, come on. He is messing up his his show right now, as far as I can tell. In other words, um, it is a gr- this concept is great. It's got a show called The Orville right now, and it's one of the best. It's it, it has the potential to be one of the best sci-fi shows on television at this moment. Yeah. It is every bit uh, conceptually, it is as good as Star Trek. However, I have a couple of real problems with the show as it's being played out, and it's just. It seems almost like, you remember that guy, what was his name, Andy Kaufman, Man on the Moon? Yeah. Uh, and, and he would do things that would actually intentionally upset his audience, right? So he would actually go out and, and do things um, that would, it almost designed to make the audience mad, and designed to um, uh, waste their time and upset them, um, like reading the Great Gatsby to a, an audience and things like that. Uh, he had the the fake character that he always dressed up as, and, yes. and he would not like admit that it was him in a in makeup. It was you know he actually acted like that was a real person. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, Seth reminds me of that. And, and as I'm watching um, uh, the Orville, right episode one of season two, they start with this 
parody of the Palm Far, which is the the thing where Spock had to go back to Vulcan and mate. Uh, and it was, a, a you know, like every seven years or something like that. Well, they had this thing where they evacuate. They only take um, a pee once every so many years. And I even, I don't even remember pee? the interval. It was Not number one, urinate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. It was, wow. It, I mean, forget about the fact that it's so unrealistic, right? Oh, it wow. stretches credulity because he's drinking all, you see him drinking in, in like every show. Right. So he's drinking and he's like, well, I guess I, you know, never goes to the bathroom. You know how much water you would retain? Like you would be 10 times or 100 times your normal size if you didn't let that water pass through you or those liquids. So he's it's it's physically, you know, the physics of it is ridiculous. I thought that was ludicrous. Yeah. And then the um, you see uh, how you see the you see the peace segue. See that yeah. comes in now? Oh yeah, you like that? It's a good segue. <laughs> I may, I may have missed it. it well, this, the 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 please <laughs> on, the R Kelly P then with the P oh that yeah, oh yeah, no that's yeah. not a good segue. That's a segue. No, that's not a good segue. I'm I'm just no. I, as a matter of fact, put your put your hand down. I'm gonna smack your wrist here. <laughs> that was not. <laughs> it's not a good segue. Please forgive me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I can let it go, so but sorry. Taylor may be upset with you. Please I mean, if you. Listen, if things work out between me and Taylor the way I'm hoping they will, you know, you may not get uh, invited invited to the wedding. wedding. I mean, yeah. So anyway, um, uh, getting back to the whole Palm Far parody thing. Um, Biologically, every animal basically uses evacuation as a way of getting rid of uh, toxins and elements that they don't need anymore. You know, waste products, right? Indeed. So the idea that you wouldn't be doing that, uh, your body would fill up and build up all these toxins, it would be a very terrible situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. And then at the same time, as it's completely ridiculous, uh, he's in a race that supposedly is all male, right? But then it's not all male, and then, you know, in one of the episodes they had uh, a woman child, a female child, yeah, a young girl, and then they did a sex change operation, and the whole thing was just like it was it was a it was a downer as an episode. It was just really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it, it it's felt negative. It felt like a an, uh, almost an oppressive emotional. Uh, situation and even even in the show um you know the the captain said hey that's ridiculous we shouldn't do that you know we shouldn't give a baby a sex change operation which of course you know in any rational human context that would be ridiculous um and then they went to the planet and they lost a court battle and they ended up having to do that anyway um it caused marital problems between uh, the character Bordis and his mate and so forth. I mean, it w- but it was just all... It was... <sighs> it's not relatable. Well, here's one of the things that Star Trek does really well. Star Trek has always been a morality play, and it's always been about... Um, th- you know, uh, 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 there's been a vision of high morality and w- what can happen when morality and technology mixes... And you get this really great concept of a society. And what the Orville is kind of missing is that uh, that level of excellence in their society, in their fictional society. And it doesn't, doesn't translate as well. But the thing is, they could have it. That's what makes it so, so crazy is like they could have it and they are intentionally doing like making the premises of their episodes really weak and... Um, well, the, annoying. There, I get, I get this. I get a sense that McFarlane can't decide if it shows a spoof or homage. Yes. I, I mean, Galaxy Quest. This is not. <clears throat> That's this right. This is not Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest was funny. Mm-hmm. It was. It it had heart. I agree with you. You you hit the nail on the head with that, because Galaxy Quest was completely parody from start to finish. With the Orville, you have parody 
and then you have homage, and then you have parody, and then you have homage. And it actually, the um, if it was, and it the parody isn't even good, parody. good parody, right? It's, it's um, it's almost like he's taking things that should belong, like if it was an animated uh, show. And there are some elements that sh- would belong if it was animated, right? Like if he was doing a, a Family Guy, um, yes. f- American Dad version of this. Yes. And that's where that is. Like that whole, we only pee once every 20 years. That's where that's that would have gone. Family Guy. Yeah. And if it's a cartoon, I could I could deal with it, right? Like I would, I would still say, oh, hey, that's absurd. But in a cartoon, you expect some absurdity. You expect that. Um, in a real science fiction that's a live-action science fiction, you don't expect physically impossible absurdity, right? Like, I'm already suspending disbelief to believe you're space traveling. I'm already suspending disbelief to believe in your energy weapons and shields and transporters, which they don't even have, and, and you know, the all that kind of stuff. I'm suspending dis- disbelief there. Now, don't ask me to suspend disbelief on basic biological functions, like things that could never, ever, ever occur. I, I agree. I, I mean, the the as the, there is a it, Gene Roddenberry when he started out created a show that had the first multicultural crew, mm-hmm. the first black and white kiss, the first green slave, the first. Green slave. She was good looking, man. She was good looking. Ah, uh, for the time. For, for the, the time. For the first, you know, it had so many firsts, and you could tell that. I mean, we got our cell phones from uh-huh. from from one of his. <laughs> that idea for the cell phone came from what Gene Roddenberry did. So we've always expected. I got to correct you on that because I happen to be a cell phone expert. Go on. They had cell phones in the 1950s. I know that, but the idea for the, <laughs> the flip phone. Oh, the flip phone, yeah. yeah that's I what mean, I'm saying. The, the flip oh, well, phone. That, the, the flip part is the technology yeah, that's the impressive. Communicator, but yeah. the actual like cellular they've technology. Had, they've always had cellular whatever. technology. But my point <laughs> is that. Right. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, you know, you know. If were I the first person who said that, anyway, <laughs> and I know you've heard someone else say this. Okay, so he just it it, it it science fiction has always been serious, right? It makes it, it makes it even hard to talk about it because, like, how do you actually like we're we it's um, how do you criticize it because we want it to be so much better. We want it to be the show that it really could be, and at the same time, like it it feels like it's it's not because you know what. I, I feel on one level that maybe he's not taking it seriously because if it fails, he wants to be able to say, ah, oh, well, you know, we were just trying some weird stuff out, so of course it failed. Um, I think that he's afraid to really try his best to have a great show and then maybe fail even as he's trying his best. You know what I mean? I think that's the, that's the psychological courage that he needs to have he needs to say, okay, we're going to do the best possible show we can do and then go for it. Like, actually go for it. Well, we, we, we had a show where we discussed habits are based on your decisions. Some of your decisions are based <clears throat> on your choices and subconsciously based on <clears throat> your, and your preferences. Right. What your beliefs. What your belief system. Uh-huh. Perhaps subconsciously as he as the writers are working <laughs> and he is building the show they do not necessarily like science fiction mm. and they do not cuz he's spo- he he's irreverent <laughs> to every convention right and so maybe after years of being so irreverent it's hard to take something seriously that should be serious right i mean and he ch- every now and then he tries to be you can see him trying to be social to make social commentary but because of the, for instance, because of the lack of registry, the registry of the show, registry is, you know, how you speak, mm-hmm. how, how well you speak, how the, 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 the type, the, the height of your, your English, your, your diction. And because of, uh, so his registry is so low that you really, you really don't get a sense that you're lifting your audience any, to, to anything. 
you know, one of the things that was, was well, I liked about the Deep Space Nines and the Star Trek Next Generation and, the, uh, and uh, Voyager was their language was technical. <coughs> right. They, they, would, they would have uh, tech speak. Yeah, their registry was high. Uh-huh. You actually had some, so you, you, it made you think about life, pathos, your, your decisions. But his show is so dumbed down that a seven-year-old could look at it. <coughs> well, in the, the Star Trek universe, they had um, actual theories. About, and, and don't get me wrong. They're not like real theories that would actually work or anything. But they had a unifying theory of operation for the, the ships and the vehicles in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, they, so that there was um, uh, cohesion between episodes and even series in how the technology was supposed to work exactly and and they don't seem to have um that defined and i'm not saying that they're they've contradicted themselves but i'm saying they haven't put it forward i mean you don't which is, well, think about it you never see them in the engine room breaking down you know what i'm saying We're, well you never see the engine exactly i think there is an engine room there's an engineering and they've shown like a table with like four people standing around it yeah i think that's supposed to be their engineering <laughs> that's room. as far as but my point is that you know with jordy you had the warp reactor going mm. down he was the engineer of the uh-huh. of the of the first of the next generation right the enterprise and and you the engine went down mm. and you had this there was technology that you even in galaxy quest they called some called kids <laughs> To talk about the technology, right? You know. Oh yeah, that was a great that was a great part of the because they the kids had all the theory of operate like they knew the engines of the sit of the the ship on the TV show. Yes, and then it was built after that was a pretty cool moment in that particular show. Yeah, so there was actually it, theory that somebody advanced could take and make their own. Yeah, it bridged kind of that moment between the the parody of the show and the the fact that they were kind of claiming this was a real-life occurrence. Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I don't get that in the Orville. I mean, you don't see... It's more of a false... Well, okay, I'll put it this way. Well, you know what it, else? Um, I mean, and I, I, we, could, we could beat that horse all day long. But you could, you could technically do a show and not talk about the technology too much. I mean, it has to be there a little bit. Like, you know, you're obviously, it's a warp drive and you're out there going fast in the speed of light and all that kind of stuff. And they need to know that. But I think that there are other, as as fundamental problems with the show, like the captain, the captain is a, I, I could, I would never follow him unless <clears throat> I had to. Well, I mean, he's a terrible captain. I don't, I don't, there's <coughs> nothing attractive about him as a captain that's true and i think that i'd really love to see some character growth but they they actually did if you recall in the first um first season first episode they did kind of handle that problem in other words they said that the uh the fleet had produced so many ships that they now had a problem finding enough captains they had a problem finding enough crew so he actually was they were scraping the bottom of the barrel when they asked him to captain a ship and it, they only did it because his ex-wife who had really messed him over in a divorce um put in such a strong recommendation for him to be a captain and then of course she ended up his xo um <laughs> and and uh that has caused even more friction in the show but it kind of a, an, an awkward uh, kind of friction that you really wouldn't want to watch. Um, and then... I mean, he does a drive-by. In one episode, Right, she's on a date, uh-huh. and he takes a shuttlecraft and does a drive-by by the window and then when she's dating this. In, like, almost the next episode, he has a girlfriend, and he's going to go on a trip with her. And I think they did... They took that too quick. They took that way too quick. He should have... It should have been a, at least another four episodes, right? They should have developed a friendship. They should have had scenes together hanging out and, and kind of having these serendipitous discoveries of how great the other person is. They should have had at least two episodes where they were uh, dating. Like maybe at the start of the episode, they'd kind of be 
uh, giddy and childish and so forth. And then, you know, let let us see them date for a little while. And then, maybe down the road, we see uh, her, the lieutenant, suggest, um, you know, say something about... uh, bait him right and yeah. she just came out and said hey let's go off ship i mean i wanted to see more of a subtlety more of a let's bait it when she said let's go off ship immediately i knew it was a trap immediately i knew she was no longer she wasn't really part of the their little organization or she's whatever the, she's the other guy she was the enemy <laughs> I, I knew that like Im- as soon as she and i'm like come on it was it was too blatant too telegraphed do you know how long Think about Deep Space Nine uh-huh. and Captain Sisko's girlfriend. Right. Do you know how long they... She's massa- on that show now. Yeah, yeah. she's, <laughs> she's playing the doctor. Do you know how long they massaged that relationship before it actually came to being? They oh. spent time with it. Yeah, and she ended up being a traitor. Or she ended up being a traitor. Yeah. And, and it was amazing how long they massaged that relationship. It was wonderful to watch. Oh, it, yeah. It, 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 that was a show about a single dad who's lost a widower living living with living with a raising a son by himself in a new place. I mean it was what a wonderful family show. Well, that's and I'll tell you this. I mean um as as I loved Deep Space 9. Deep Space 9 is actually my favorite of all the Star Trek episodes or all the Star Trek series. And the reason for that is their commitment to long-term storylines. Yes. They had so many wonderful, especially with the Dominion and oh, with Odo yeah. and the founders and the whole, um, the prophets and uh, Cisco being the, uh, what was it, the emissary. emissary? Yeah. Those storylines <laughs> were brilliant. Were, they were brilliant and they were th- woven throughout all of Let's the other not stories. Worf and Judd Jud- right? and uh, the, rom- the romance there. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh man, they did. They, they. I, if you guys ever get a chance to listen to this show, and I hope you will, hats off to you. No, oh, yeah. For writing a brilliant television show. The writers, the actors, the the directors, everybody who was involved in that. I mean, but yeah, obviously the writers were the ones who came up with those uh, long arc story components that they wove into every episode i gotta tell you i mean i i stayed up uh late when i was in the marine corps and i was watching them actually as reruns um and it was just it was an amazing set of stories it was uh, you know i I loved it Mm -hmm. i just can't it helped me understand what science fiction could be you know that, and I've always known that. But that show, particularly that and Voyager, all of the all of the shows, really, all the Star Treks, have done really well, except for the <coughs> uh, the, the the one with Archer, uh, Enterprise. Enterprise. The problem with Enterprise was that they went backwards in time. Yeah, well, that, that was okay, but mm. but I'll, a little side note: it the show was canceled just as it started to get its footing. Oh, because really? the new executive of of uh, of the the network didn't like science fiction, so he cut it immediately. As soon as he got it, as soon as he became became he got he he took control. He cut it, even though they had finally begun to to start their, to start working their audience. That's why it was cut. Well, that makes sense. I actually never got into Star Trek uh, Enterprise, and I also did not enjoy Voyager. So I don't know how you felt about Voyager. Voyager, I liked Voyager also. I liked Voyager for different reasons. Mm. I thought that they had, it, they did a good job at at not having a strong man. Mm, that may have been exactly my problem with it. Well, I'll explain. Okay. <laughs> when I say not having a strong man, they didn't have the Klingon-like character, that person who was burly, who could get you out of trouble. They didn't have a data. They didn't have an android who was extremely strong. They had, in fact, most of the strongest characters on that show were women. And, and, mm. and, and they still met, and I enjoyed the show. Actually, I found, I found the last few episodes wonderful, and uh, it was very interesting. They, they, <coughs> they really spent time with the Borg and the Borg culture, 
I thought that was really wonderful. They had some good things about that show. Good storylines, arch, long arching stories also. Not to the extent of deep, not the ex, not to the extent of Deep Space Nine though. Right. I I was not a fan of Janeway ever really as a captain. I did not like. Um, so there was there's a a formula um, in. What should I call it? Uh, I think they were they said that in the original Star Trek, right? You spent five minutes figuring out what the problem was, and then uh, the next fifty five minutes trying to figure out how to solve it. Yeah. And in Star Trek: The Next Generation, they spent usually fifty five minutes trying to figure out what the problem was, which actually, as a troubleshooter, as somebody who does a lot of problem solving, I actually think that's much more realistic. Yeah. Because you once you frame the problem correctly the solution almost presents itself to you. So getting to the point where you understand what the problem is... That's well said, by the is, way. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, is, ...is more important than having the skills to solve the problem, so to speak. So, I mean, understanding the problem will get you where you need to be as far as solving the problem. So that's... And that's kind of what I've come to through my experience in, in various technical issues. So... What I never really saw, and don't get me wrong, I didn't give it too many chances. Um, I was turned off by many of the characters. They were just idiots. Which one do? Please, let's, <coughs> please, please, sh- share your thoughts. Um, I can't remember uh, who it was. Chakotay? There was, did you not like Chakotay? I, I wasn't a big fan of Chakotay. Look, did you not like... I mean, he was. he had some... He wasn't an all-bad character. He had some... Benefits and some drawbacks. Did you not like Tuvok? Uh, I did not like Tuvok. Did you not like Neelix? Uh, Neelix, if I recall, if I if I'm thinking of this correctly, Neelix may have been one of my major objections. Did you not like Seven of Nine? Um, you know, Seven of Nine actually probably was a brighter spot, and maybe it could have gotten me back if it wasn't so blatantly. Like, it was just a sex trap. I mean, it was just, it was like they were saying, hey, here's a piece of candy, uh, and dangling it in front of the men who had left the show and expecting us to come back and listen uh, to, I guess, Seven of Nine and Jane, we talk about their feelings. Um, but I, I never really, I never really connected with it. So you, I, I didn't. didn't like Balana. Um,. Well, you're, you're going to keep asking me about each character, and the answer I'm, is going to be going, no. I'm, I'm not. To, what did you like? I'm, well, I like you know, Bolana was actually not bad. I like to hear you discuss the character <laughs> development and why you disliked each one. Okay, but here's the problem: I didn't really watch the show because I didn't like it. So um, they turned me off in the first couple of episodes, and there was so in the first episode, um, or like the first or second episode, they met up with these two aliens, right? And yeah. one of them was Neelix, the caretakers. Uh, and that's after the caretaker. Okay, and, and so Neelix, I'm, I take it as one of those characters, and then there was a girl who was only supposed to live like nine years. Yes, Kess. <laughs> okay, and that whole concept of like a, an alien who only lives for nine years—that that was nihilistic. Um, it was it was disapp- it was depressing and disappointing, and um, it, it led to a very. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hedonistic ethos for her. You said it was a nihilistic delusion. Nihilistic yeah. hedonism. Oh, and I yeah, didn't yeah. really. Well, so it. I mean, it lent. It, if star. If uh, sci-fi is really a morality play, then altering your characters in these ways lends to really uh, shallow philosophies. And I think she had a very shallow philosophy. It was very much the only thing that matters is what's happening right now because we're going to be dead soon. So, um, you know, let's throw caution to the wind and just have uh, as much fun as we want. And really, um, plus the whole the whole premise of the show, right? They got blasted into the, what was it, the Alpha Quadrant or the Delta Quadrant? Yes. And then they had... To, they were going to end up spending their entire lives making the trip home. And by the time they would get home, they would be old and and uh, decrepit. Yeah. 
that's not a hopeful vision of the future. That's not a, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not what I'm looking for in a, in a Star Trek. You well, know what I mean? That's why they did the Orville, so you could be happy. Well, they've, they've not made me happy that, there either. That's hopeful, isn't it? They're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a five-year mission. Well, you know, I, I really, um, I think the Orville could become a really great show, and I hope that it does. I hope they abandon the um, the blatant tropes of uh, things that that just really don't make any sense. Two dimensional space, people who don't pee for decades on end. Um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, I don't know. You groaned as you groaned. I remember, like, okay, they had the second episode was basically about gay porn, and. Uh, <sighs> I know it was it was a uh, it was a terrible episode, and the thing is, you have to realize, like, um, I mean, you know, you and I don't really agree with homosexuality, but I don't really. How should I put this? It's it's not like I have a a, a quest to go stop or put an end to homosexual activity. I just don't want to see it or watch it or or have no interest in it. So, like. They and I don't think most men have an interest in it, and I don't think, I think maybe there are some women who are like, oh, well, that's interesting. But most women, I probably don't have an interest in it either, um, and and yet they're kind of pushing that, right? So like they were pushing these scenes that were meant to be homoerotic, and they weren't really. I mean that they, they were just kind of annoying scenes that wasted time in the show, and uh, there was now. Don't get me wrong, there was actually some interesting elements to this because there was the idea of he had commissioned um, a a holographic simulation, which was a pornographic holographic simulation. And that is realistic, right? Well, that that is fun. probably... If we developed holograph technology, if oh, we developed wow. holodeck technology, wow. the first 100 programs really to the market would be pornographic. I mean, that's just... And then he got a virus from that program, which was even better. I mean, that those elements were actually pretty decent. It's just that they spent way they're, too much time. They're borrowing it from showing us the. the forgive me, but yeah, they're borrowing that. Remember the the uh, Star Trek Star Trek Next Generations episode when the gentleman who was he was uh, very shy. I forget it. A brilliant oh, genius. Oh, oh, oh. What's his name? Was was addicted to the porn. To the holodeck. He was addicted to the holodeck, but it wasn't pornographic. It wasn't pornographic. It was just he was Barkley. Barkley was addicted to controlling others through who he felt didn't respect him, and uh, through through the holodeck. So, (laughs) so they borrowed something from that. Well, and that was interesting. And there was also an episode where somebody had commissioned um, a somewhat pornographic uh, perversion of Kira Narice. Do you remember that in, the, in Deep Space Nine? Yes. And she ended up, it, it, it ended up the hologram had Kira Norris's body and Quark's face, which <laughs> <laughs> was, but they didn't spend a lot of time on no, that. No, they just touched it and touched they didn't it and leave it. Right. You, t- you show it and then go. You don't have to spend, like there, there were multiple like minute long, two minute long sequences where you felt uncomfortable with the whole thing, and they just kind of lingered in that. And I'm like, okay. Well, hold on. Some would say well, you're <laughs> uncomfortable with watching a man kiss. Um, you're homophobic. Well, I'm not even saying it was. They weren't even kissing. They were just. Well, cavorting. <laughs> I, I don't even know what they were doing. It was very PG 13. Nothing. But my point is yeah. that the whole concept is. It, it was not done well. I think the concept was good. But you need... You're either Galaxy Quest or you're st- the next generation. You're either a homage or you're a spoof. Uh-huh. And that's the problem. The, he, he hasn't made up his mind. So those type of shows, you haven't built... Uh, uh, we, you notice that we haven't mentioned... That on deep on Deep Space Nine, uh-huh. the the trill, Judzia <laughs> kissed a woman, right, and who was another trill who was who turned out to be of course Judzia was a man when they were dating, and it, it, but, but 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 that was a gay kiss. You know what? And that that actually seemed 
So here's here's the thing, right? That they, the way they built that up, the way they set that up, it seemed like it was flowing from the characters. You know, it was it, it was, was more artfully done. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's all I can say. And the, the, it was artfully done, man. And they did not do the gay porn artfully in uh, what should we call it? Or in Orville, this. Uh, it's. And I think, and I think, and the reason that this show is really important—the reason that this type of show <laughs> is important for us to discuss—because it's it's taking something, a, a tradition that we have had in Western society, and mm-hmm. it is changing a cultural tradition. A cult, our cultural tradition is science fiction kind of depicts what we could be the best usually the best of what we could be and warns us about the worst of that could happen and i found that that the orville is not attempting to do any of that it's not talking about the best that we could be or warning us about the worst that can happen i mean they even in one of the star treks they even had they even had the environmental st- where thing where you were going you couldn't go past warp seven because the fabric of space time was tearing because we we're going because of warp warp corridors um ruining space tr- spa- the space time so they even tried to get into some type of uh some type of uh environmental <coughs> thing that there was they were trying to show the worst that can happen or the best life could be i don't see <coughs> that happening at the on the orville right well, and you know, they, they actually did, um, uh, I found out that they were going to get rid of a character. And I, I thought, well, you know, cross my fingers and hope it's Bordis, right? Which one, please? And then, and then, Kill and, Bordis. And then they actually had uh, Bordis's mate stab him in the chest. Yeah. And I was like, for a moment, I thought, oh, yes, finally they've come to their senses. Were I a cursing, <laughs> were I a cursing man? I would call him a Klingon wannabe, blank, 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 blank. Kipla. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, but anyway, they, they actually ended up getting rid of their security officer. And they, they didn't kill her off. They just, um, she had a uh, issue where she grew up on a planet that had much higher gravity. Yes. Uh, so she's losing muscle and atrophying due to the low gravity on the ship. Um, and then they came up with a thing that would keep her on board, and then she chose not to. So I kind of feel like she's the actor who plays that character had a better offer is going to greener pastures. Um, so and and she's great. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. So um, she can act well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I don't. But uh, the, the guy. Oh man, the guy that they replaced her with. The character that now is on the ship that they replaced her with is even more absurd. Oh, he has he's long trunk has an external esophagus. Oh. I know, like like this is this that's once again that's Family Guy. Yeah, it is. It's Family Guy. It's fam. It's a live action sci fi version of Family Guy. And, and they used what's uh, my, one of my favorite actors. Oh yeah, yeah. What's his name? I forget his name. No, uh, the Tick. Yeah, <laughs> or Putty on on, or the 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 bad guy from Talk Radio. Yeah, or uh-huh. the voice of Archer, or he was also on uh, Seinfeld. Yep, or the son from Doctor Katz. Have you ever watched Doctor Katz? I don't think I have. <laughs> you gotta watch Doctor Katz. There's okay. only he plays the son's voice. Uh-huh. He was also McGurk on home movies. He was Archer on Archer. He uh, he's wait the, no no he was an Archer. Yes, he's Archer. He was the voice of Archer. Not only was he the voice of Archer, he's also playing. He's oh he's on Archer, but I'm pretty sure no, he's, he's Archer. Not. No, that's him. That's Archer. He is. I'll not, have to I'll yeah. have to look at that. He's Maybe McGurk. He's Archer. He is also the narrator for uh, Unfortunate Events, a series of Unfortunate Events, the, t- mm. the, the, the Baudelaire children. Okay. Um, so, so he's... I was just about to say there's only so much time in the day. There's the way too much television out there. 
Yeah, and it's just, it's really sad that I know how many <laughs> things that does not bode well for me. But you know, I, I love analyzing television shows mm. and and how they affect our society and what they're saying about our society. So I watch a lot and I tr- and and to try to try to glean some truth and to see what they're what the producers are thinking because you know I I produce myself produce television and other things myself and try to produce shows and things myself so it's a lot of fun but uh, what I would say is to use him for that character I thought was right it could have been so it could have been so much better but he's a he's he's horrible I want to shoot him you mean the character <laughs> yeah <laughs> not, not, the, not character. the actor <laughs> no the actor no no he's he's brilliant yeah he is brilliant he has a great you know great actor but the character that he plays I wanted. I literally want to shoot him. I would. I would jump. I would literally uh-huh. jump. I would body it. I would attack the character. <laughs> it's so horrible. Right. Right. Um. And and he's an annoying character. I mean. Uh, I, oh. He he's he came worse. he he's came to the bridge in sweats. I mean. He's worse than Jar Jar Banks. Uh. Jar Jar Banks at least tried to dress, right? I mean, he's worse than Jar Jar Banks. Now, are we are we going to talk about how uh, how much um, the most recent Aquaman was like Jar Jar Banks? I would love to hear you <laughs> describe that, please, please, please. There were there Detail. were several um, there were several shots in the movie. Where they were they were riding in the underwater vehicle and so forth, and it just had this very strong impression to me, like it was very much like uh, Episode One, where um, the the two Jedi and Jar Jar Binks were riding mm-hmm. in a vehicle underwater as well. Yeah, yeah. Now they didn't do all the same things, but um, it's close, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was it was very close. Plus, he was kind of a buffoon. He the royal uh, the king was upset at him. Uh, there was a lot of parallels that I, I I have not put it together myself, but I would love to see somebody on Reddit put together the parallels between uh, Aquaman and Jar Jar Binks. He wasn't necessarily a buffoon. <clears throat> he he didn't suffer suffer from buffoonery. Uh, he did not suffer from buffoonery, but he did suffer from. Um, not understanding the people of the underwater world and not understand um, some of the nuances of the culture. The nuances of the culture, yeah. So now the only thing that's going to really stop somebody from doing that is if they really believe that in episode one that Jar Jar Binks was being set up to be the Sith Lord or maybe one of the, you know, a a Sith, right? Um, Which I believe is actually the case. I think that, um, you know, he was being set up to do the betrayal, to do a reveal where he was really, instead of being uh, a bumbling idiot, he was actually a tactically uh, underrated uh, subverter. Like the drunk, like Jackie Chan and the drunken master. Exactly. He was, uh, I, and I think... If you watch the moves, by the way, uh-huh. it's very much the drunken master's that wrote style. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they, they seem to have copied a drunken master... Um, moves when they did the Jar Jar Binks uh, fighting scene, yeah, which lends itself to that th- that kind of theory that he was not necessarily the buffoon. He was he was really a master disguising himself and and doing these things to be underrated on purpose, which is a very you know Eastern concept, and uh, it it fits well with the whole. Uh, martial arts uh, motif that they were doing there. Yeah. That, I, was, that was a ninja. The ninja weren't just warriors. <laughs> they were infiltrators. They would infiltrate society mm-hmm. and uh, to, to undermine using, using knowledge. So they weren't just... We show, we show them in, uh, in Western television as in some Eastern te- television now as simply just warriors and assassins, but they were also masters of subterfuge. Mm. and masters of intrigue they were they were spies <coughs> and that's that's a great skill set um i think that would have redeemed everything about everything that people didn't like about jar jar binks had he been revealed to be a sith lord or to be a sith 
of any kind, at any rank. That would have been awesome. It would have been the most impressive visionary reveal and visionary writing since the Luke, I am your father moments. Yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, Could you imagine Jar Jar being suddenly talking normally and saying, my master? Awesome. I get goosebumps just thinking about that <laughs> happening. Yeah, it would have been amazing. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm asking for from Orville. I mean, that is the kind of writing, the kind of um, storytelling that I'm really looking for from the Orville, if they could do it, if they could pull it off, is the kind of thing that is a long-term story that weaves itself through the short-term stories and turns out to be something really impressive at the end. That's what I'd like to see. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd like to see that from everything, but Orville is specifically a sci-fi show in the same genre as other shows that have done that before, and they have all of the pieces, it seems to me, to really put that together. They can develop a lot of the elements that they started with, right? This is a trash crew. Now, I'm not saying that to be mean. This is like uh, he was the bottom-of-the-barrel captain. He was he picked people who had you know certain skill sets. Like they've they've talked about their pilot being a really great pilot, but he doesn't have. I mean, he's he's a vacant character otherwise. Very much so. So it's um, you know I'm not saying that they're. They're bad characters. They're the misfits. They're the outcasts. And they could definitely pull that around and, you know, coalesce around something to turn that crew into a real crew that actually shines as bright as any other crew in the fleet. Yeah. That could be a real story that they, they pull together and, and start talking about. And they've they've made some motion in that direction. You know, the, They need an the, enemy right now. Well, they have an enemy. And I think... So now, don't don't make that mistake. The, the second, this is only their second season, and they actually have a pretty decent enemy. Now, I think that they uh, will have to develop that, but and I, and I, I, you know, obviously, I wonder if they will. But I, we hope you so. know, we hope they will. Of they, course, they need the <clears throat> they need this type of thing. We have engaged the Borg. I mean, you need something right. like that. You when it's amazing. It's for the first time that Picard said, "We have engaged the Borg," uh-huh. my heart went, "Y'all, y'all dead, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> y'all, you guys aren't ready for that." <laughs> you, you know, I mean, but it was something to watch. You know, uh-huh. it, it was exciting. It was these machines that could not be stopped. It was interesting television for those who like that type of stuff. Yeah, I, I want that show. I want. <clears throat> I think America needs a chance to dream of what life could be. Yeah. Again, I, that's that's why the show. That's why we're talking about this on the show. I believe that we need that in our collective consciousness. We need an example. We need aspirational concepts. Absolutely. Superman. They 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 have. I want to say B slapped Superman's character. <laughs> To the extent that he is no, he's a killer. He is dark. Clark Kent even told Superman, "You don't owe anyone any." His mother said, "You Superman, you don't owe anybody anything." Uh, it's 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 nothing like the Clark Kent of the the, the Justice League. The Clark Kent rep- rep- represented the best of us, a man with power who would never use it to hurt anyone, who would never kill unless he really, really really had to and it would never be another being like him it would always be and in fact he, I don't think he, I don't think Superman there are very few comics where Superman has actually <laughs> ever killed anyone right there are very few comics where he and yet the, 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 the movie <coughs> Superman has to kill uh, Zod I mean it's just mm. it's, it's it's so so even the Boy Scouts well you know and the thing is Superman is um, he's not just stronger than us he's not just he's able to fly he's bulletproof and has power but he also um and it and there was at least one show where this was really well developed he sees things differently like he's denser times pass time passes slower he sees the quantum in the universe um and it is an amazing point of view that he has 
So for him to not have the ability, not have options to take things, uh, to handle things in ways that are different than just being a, a thug and a murderer, that's bad writing. That's not that's not Superman. That's just bad authorship. They, uh, they, they that's what I'm saying. Even the Boy <coughs> Scout, Captain America, <coughs> they even on the Avengers. As much as I like Captain America. <coughs> He is still not necessarily the Boy Scout mm-hmm. like Captain America. He's close to a Boy Scout. He's, yeah. Now, He's of course, close. they they dragged him through the mud a little bit during the Civil War thing. Yeah. So that, yeah. But that was intentional, and they gave him a little bit of an edge and made him, um, you know, took him from being the uh, American golden hero. boy yeah. to being the kind of the rebel. And I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that, but uh, he's still... He still maintained he was a rebel for a good reason. His nation had forgotten who they were, according to him. Right. And they had gone away from freedom. Yes. And that is a great that's a great story. Uh, I think that the problem, you know, with Superman is that he's not really even aspirational. Because as much as I love Superman and when I you know, little kids think, Oh, it'd be really cool to be Superman, uh, you can't really become Superman. You can't work towards that as a goal. Um, with things like Star Trek, you can actually work towards that as a goal. Like we can work towards uh, advancing technology. We can work towards uh, space travel. We can do all that kind of stuff. The end of poverty. The end of. Well, I don't know if we'll ever end. I mean, Jesus Himself said, "The poor you will have, have with you always." Things. I know that, but I'm saying, but that was that was something. It's something to work toward. I mean, it's okay. It's, it'll never happen, but. You know, you, you, he's, Jesus also said, occupy until I come. So you, you, you still <coughs> want to help as many people as you can. I mean, it, 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 gave, it talked about a utopian society where no one had to worry about money any longer. Uh, yeah, you know, that's I mean, the thing about utopian societies. They really don't exist. Well, yeah. And, I mean, but yeah, I like, I like that they didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about it um, as a motivation. You know, they did talk about it in Deep Space Nine because even though, like, um, Federation would have uh, the ability, you know, the Federation didn't really have a large economy. They still had money, right? And you still had had to work. Yeah. The laws of acquisition, (coughs) rules of acquisition. Listen, friends, um, a side note. Read the rules of acquisition and see if you can apply them to your business. Very interesting. Um, I'm very well thought of. Uh, I am under the impression the rules of acquisition are basically the rules of how to cheat. No, they're not. No, no, they're they're, they're rules. They're the rules of business. Oh, okay. You know, they're, they're, some <clears throat> of them are cheating. For instance, one thing, one of the rules is a deal <clears throat> is only a deal when it's with a Ferengi. <laughs> 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 so you know, so there are things like that, but they have <clears throat> a lot of different the rules of acquisition. When you think of even even to talk about that, the fact that I can look at a science fiction show and think, "Hey, I might be able to use that for my business," tells me that somebody did some thinking. Right. You know, uh, for Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, 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 George Lucas spent time talking to philosophers and religious religious scholars to develop his concepts on the Force. He studied this. He spent time <clears throat> to, to develop his characterization. Right. I mean, this, this is what you do to create a culture that will follow you long after you're gone. You know, a lot of people think that the, the force, the light side of the force and the dark side of force represent just good and evil. But that's actually not the case. That's right. And if you read a lot of the books, um, if you go back into the history, the first... Uh, force wielder was actually named Jedi, right? And he was able to wield both sides of the force. And what they found, um, and then they, he taught uh, the two schools. Basically, he taught the the Sith, and he taught the the uh, um, uh, the Jedi's, right? And then they, um, the it was interesting that the prophecy was for balance, and the the Jedi's were, you know, way more. Uh, they had way more power, way more um, ability than the Sith did, and they didn't understand that balance would be bad for them, right? So that was that was an interesting concept. But also um, the idea that the light side of the Force 
and the path of the light side was to use reason and understanding to gain power. And the dark side was to use emotion and passion to gain power. Yes. And I actually think that that, um, the, the more I come to understand those concepts in real life, the more I think that makes a lot of sense, the more that fits. Because passion, devoid from reason, passion without reason. Is an idiot. It's id. Is id. <laughs> well, it, is it, the... It's the id. You, you're a Klingon, basically. <laughs> running around, killing things, getting <coughs> upset, drinking, having drinking parties, and wing a... It's passion. It's id. It's id. It's the it's, natural man. It's the, it's the id. The ego is... Well, never mind. Well, it takes it takes a lot of reason and understanding to have, and this is what we're talking about that that aspirational view of the future. It really you really have to understand a lot of things to try to figure out how to make the world better. It's uh, you, you have to frame it, so to speak, before you even understand what the problems are. So I think that this is this is something that, especially when I look at on the politics. It, it seems like people haven't taken the time to understand the world well enough to build their worldview to a high enough degree of resolution in order to be able to see what's really going on. And then, and they don't even realize, like, people don't know that their view of the world is a low-resolution view. And they don't understand that they don't have very many facts. And... I only come to understand that because I've I've searched for it. I've come to try to understand as much as I can. And then I realize how much it is that I don't know, right? So you have this kind of, uh, I almost, almost feel like if you don't even know that you don't know, um, who was it, uh, Rumsfeld, I think, who said, you know, there are known knowns and then there are uh, unknown unknowns. Or known unknowns and there are unknown unknowns. Yeah. So there are... Things that you don't know, that you know you don't know, and you have to go investigate that, and you have to figure it out. And maybe you could research that on Google or something like that. And then there are things that you don't even know you don't know. Whole areas of study, like at one point we didn't even know what radiation was, right? Like can you imagine living your life not even understanding the concept of radiation and also not having any inkling that a thing like radiation existed? In the universe. Yeah. And we still, ha there are still things like that out in the universe for us to discover. Things that we've never even begun to comprehend. That's right. And that is, and it's, it's both scary and interesting at the same time. It's like, yes, the there's, um, uh, just on this earth... There is so much in information and knowledge that we don't have. Our seas, and then, our, our, our seas yeah. are vastly undiscovered. Right. Our oceans are vastly undiscovered. We do not know what's down there. there uh, you know, occasionally I'll run across somebody who's, who's uh, saying that uh, there could be megalodons in the, uh, the Mariana Trench or you know, in the deep of the ocean, and we may not know. We may not know. Um, and, and a while back, there was a, a whale that was eaten, and it went, uh, the, it had a tracker on it, and that tracker went way deep down, and it was too warm to be a shark, and uh, too deep to be, or too warm to be a great white, and too deep to be, um, whatchamacallit, uh, a whale, right? Stayed yeah. down too deep too long yeah. to be a whale. And so they were actually starting to wonder, like, oh, my goodness, did we, did we stumble across a megalodon? And what they decided was that it was just a really big <laughs> great white shark, which is, this is very true. I mean, very possible, right? <laughs> they, there's one out there. There's one huge great white shark out there swimming around the oceans right now. It's over 20 feet long. Yeah. And that it's been seen a couple of times. It's been captured. Uh, on video, and also people have swum next to it, uh, and it is an impressive shark. And on the videos, it's very impressive. And the people who are close to it, you know, are, are scared in the same in the <laughs> same shot with it. You can tell that it's about four times as long as they are, 
right? So you're talking about a, a person between like five and six feet, and and then the shark is four times that length. It is, I would, I would be scared. <laughs> I would, I'm not going to be uh, brave in that particular moment, right? Um, I would be very afraid if I was under the water and that shark was there with me, and I would say, okay, well. Uh, what's there to eat besides me? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to be in that situation. <laughs> you know, you realize when you're faced with nature <clears throat> that you're prey. And I think that we're so used to being on the top of the food chain because of our society, because of where we live. Well, you we don't realize that when we go certain places, you're yeah. prey. You become prey. And that, and because and the television doesn't help us, the Dis- Disney doesn't help us. But I'm, I'm okay with uh, as long as it's under the water, because I'm I'm not I'm never gonna go where that shark is. I mean I'm I'm just not the kind of guy that's gonna do that. Be a man, be a man. <laughs> Let's go. We're gonna go deep sea, deep sea diving. Oh no! As a matter of fact, I have a jet ski, and the one thing like I've been out on the on in the Gulf here, um, in rather deep water, not. Go on. Not beyond the shelf, right? But okay, okay. pretty deep. Okay. And uh, you know, out beyond where people swim. Yeah. yeah. It's it was uh you know, maybe maybe fifty, sixty feet deep. Go on, yeah. And I've uh looked down and I thought to myself, I could be in a an area of the water that it would be bad if I fell off this. Let thing. me share something with you. Yeah. I was at a shoe store in, in Pinellas Park at the center. How where? big were those shoes? They were big shoes because <laughs> I had big feet. <coughs> and I was speaking with the store manager, and he told me about a trip, a helicopter excursion that his friend allowed him to go on with him. Uh-huh. And he, he flew by St. Pete Beach. And he says, it was a sunny day. And he said, and they looked down. He said, do you see those people swimming? Uh-huh. And he said, do you see all those dark shapes? Right at the edge where the people are. Those so were sharks. Those are sharks, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was then that I decided <clears throat> that perhaps I might not go swimming. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that your, caut- your cautionary tale is more than anecdotal. <laughs> right. <laughs> I believe it's factual. <laughs> there are sharks in them, their waters, sir. Well, anecdotes are, are still facts, you understand. So anecdotes just mean that it's, um, it's not statistically relevant to the whole situation but i mean you can like a shark bite for instance you people would say well that's an anecdote right so it's it's yeah. a it's a data point but if you it's put all the other you. data points now here's the thing i did some now this will scare you right i did some statistical analysis recently go on and they say that you know only so many people are bitten a year and only and i can't remember what the numbers are but i, I did some math on those numbers and the idea is that if you adjust yeah. for how long people are actually in the water, go on. It becomes a scary big number. It's a big number, man. Oh yeah, that number. Like so, I mean, if you adjust for how long people actually stay in the water, uh, like if if people actually lived in the water, millions of people would be eaten by sharks every year. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. That's right. So the only reason that shark attacks are so rare is just we don't go into their environment. Trending Insurrection.